I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to have with me today uh, Max Comparetto, who is the co-founder of the Web3 Studios at Salesforce. So Max, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Nick. It's good to be here, man. And uh, well, thanks very much for making the time. I guess, uh, could you just uh, give us a, a little bit of a sense of sort of your background and also how you came to be co-founder of the Web3 Studios? Sure. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Quick intro uh, overview. Um, Max Compreto, I've, I've been with Salesforce for almost five years now. Um, I'm based in New York. Uh, but started with the company in Atlanta. Um, I uh, originally, I'd come from a professional services company uh, and I had sold professional services projects, uh, not even really Salesforce related projects. I actually, ironically, was somebody at my last company who uh, like complained about the transition from Salesforce Classic to Lightning, like the new right. UI um, yeah. back, back in the day. Um, so it's funny that I wound up here. Um, but I was a part of a, a AWS professional services practice uh, prior to Salesforce. And I, I sold those uh, projects through. Um, I wanted to get closer to the tech uh, all the time and couldn't. And eventually saw software as like an opportunity to take one step closer to the tech. Yeah. Uh, and um I started out in a, a low-level sales job, actually, like as low as it gets. Selling to, <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? Door to door, sales door to door. Yeah, I mean, it, it was My not Max, far. Off. Have I got a dream for you? <laughs> it was not far off, and and like you, joke, but uh, but seriously, in all seriousness, it was like um, there's segments at Salesforce. The way they're structured um, is like you know, anywhere you sell to companies that have employee headcounts between this number and this number, this Watch number, and, right? right. And when I got there, we had this uh, like one to 50 segment and um, like six months in, they decided that they were going to split that segment in half and take everyone that was six months or less and have them focus on the smaller one. And I got put on the smaller one. So, <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> I was just That's like. Hand to hand combat. Yeah, ultimately humbled. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, welcome, Max. Thanks for coming here from Atlanta, and here you go. Yeah, I I left selling professional services to come sell software, and then almost got demoted like six months <laughs> in selling software. Resilience, uh, though, it's been a great. Yeah, no, no tr- truthfully, I I I know, like I joke around about it, but. Um, it it was truly like the catalyst for everything else. Right. Like, uh, and I, I'm being serious when I say that, and genuine when I say that, because uh, it led to me having to like solve some customer support tickets like right. quite often. Yep. And then I got more technical, so I could solve these problems, and then you know have sales opportunities uh-huh. on the back solving customer challenges, right? right. And because that's the job. If you can't, you know, overcome these initial roadblocks with solving the tickets and the issues that they have, you're never going to be able to sell, right? So, right. like, you become a sales machine in this job because you're solving problems and then seeking to like 
upsell and cross sell beyond the solution. Um, and so like I ended up getting my Salesforce certifications. Okay. Wow. I was like one of the more technical AEs, I think probably generally speaking, but definitely in my group. Um, I started running all my own demos. Um, I started building all my own demos for my customers' sales cycles. Uh, then I started like having fun and kind of implementing uh, Salesforce for nonprofits. So we have this program inside of Salesforce uh, that you can find nonprofit projects that Salesforce has donated licenses to and they need help setting it up. Yep. So you can volunteer your skills to help them set it up so that they can run their nonprofit on Salesforce. Wow. And so I learned through implementing um, in that environment and I recruited teams of resources to help me with the implementations, even from like LinkedIn. I was like sourcing people from LinkedIn. And then I met a whole lot of people in the Salesforce professional services world. And I had come from AWS ProServe world. So I knew how to speak their language. And I learned a lot in that process that made me a very efficient seller. And then later gave me an opportunity uh, to be in the right room with the right person um, to like sponsor an idea that was crazy enough and delivered at the right time to get sponsorship um, and go somewhere that honestly, it's hard to believe even became real. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic journey, I guess. And particularly becoming technical through that, because I think, you know, often even with sales, you have your sales engineers, obviously. Um, it sounds like you're, a, you know, you're a combination of those two capabilities, like actual forward sales as well as a sales engineering capability. So brilliant. Yeah, no, um, I honestly think every AE should be able to do the job of an SE if an SE is not available. Um, and that was just a resourcing issue. Yeah. that forced it. We had 75 AEs and four SEs for that new segment. Wow. After. Okay. Yeah. And so there was no one there to help. And you're just losing deal after deal because of timing. <clears throat> and that's just, you either live with it or you don't. <laughs> right. And, and so what, how did the, how did that lead to then Web3 Studios and, and what, what does Web3 Studios do? Yeah. So uh, ultimately what that did was, um, somebody met a guy on the other side of the business in product. Um, that was a, one of the leaders of my sales org that I was in. And he was like thinking about this new business idea and he was maybe going to build it outside of Salesforce. It was like a restaurant culinary concept uh, for a business, but it involved blockchain. And so that person was talking to the sales leader in my org and I had become known as like <clears throat> a couple things. One was just a loud guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, two was that can be, be helpful. Knew sometimes like too much for his own good in in the sense of the AESE right. hybrid knowledge. Because um, I would like paint myself into corners where I would get into really, really hard conversations and highly technical conversations that I wasn't quite ready for because of the way I learned. Um, and um, anyways, so SEs bailed me out when I when I needed them to, uh, is the long story short. I have some close friends now. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, 
the other thing that I became known for was I'd I'd learned a lot about crypto and uh, blockchain, right. and I had actually gotten a lead at Salesforce uh, while I was in this role uh, for this blockchain aviation startup. Um, and I had started con- kind of consulting them and I helped them set up their Salesforce org right. um, and became super close with the founders and learned a lot about their decisions that they made relative to their tech stack in the process and blockchain. And so I knew about crypto as an investor. I knew about DeFi as a participant in DeFi and lending and yeah. uh, yield farming. And then I knew about all this business of blockchain through this outside kind of consulting engagement I had done uh, with this leap I got through Salesforce. So then I finally had the other recipe of the people meeting and them uh, uh, recommending that he connects with me. And so it was like that cocktail of two two realities that led to the the moment where I connected with uh, Adam and Prithvi. So Adam is the SVP Adam Kaplan of uh, of emerging tech and Prithvi uh, Padmanabhan is our principal architect um, and is now like both of them are emerging technologists who are leading Salesforce's development of a LLM gateway um, to um, connect to all of these LLMs and make them safe. Uh, and make it safe for our customers to interact with uh, these LLMs through a gateway. And so these guys are are brilliant people. I got to meet them. Um, they were thinking about leaving and building this concept, uh, this other business Adam was, or at least building it in, in parallel. And we came up with this other idea for NFT Cloud that was like ultimately what got iterated on and developed further to become um salesforce web3 and in the process and it previously been called nft cloud um that's like out there publicly in a lot of places uh, from a previous announcement uh, before a name change but um like the studio formed because we had this uh issue uh to solve which was we were starting to develop product uh, MVP, like, you know, trying to communicate what it is both like internally and externally. And we struggled with like communicating exactly what it was and how it fit into Salesforce and how Salesforce fit into the world of web three. And it, I became in the studio in by proxy at the time, which formed like in late 2021, early 2022, officially, um, it became a translation layer okay. for everything product was doing to the company and to our customers and kind of a translation layer back just because of the domain expertise that I had of we're hearing this in the market. I'm hearing this through my customer conversations, partner conversations. Yep. This is how it translate back to what we're developing and the Salesforce platform more generally speaking. Okay. Okay. We'd we'll like to drop into a little bit more detail on that in a tip, but maybe can you give us a sense of um, 
So when we talk about Web3, I guess when Salesforce talks about Web3, and you've mentioned LLMs as well, um, I mean, what do you, you know, where do you see the sort of bright line around Web3? Are there, uh, are there any bright lines? Yeah, I, I, if you mean silver lining of like what we learned in Web3. Oh, but more, more around what we're, you know, where are the, where are the, you know, where, what is Web3? So, you know, where, yeah, where are the boundaries? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a couple definitions I think are prevalent within Salesforce. So even inside of our company, I don't know that there's one uh, prevailing, but um, one is just anything that's founded uh, or rooted in blockchain or right. blockchain, blockchain connected. Right. Uh, so like wallet connected apps fall into a web three bucket um, and experiences um, sites that are wallet enabled. Um, I would say also there's um, um, <clears throat> for me a little bit of a focus on like identity uh, and payments okay. uh, that I would like categorize as web three. Yep. Uh, and I, I distinguish between typically personally like gaming and web three um, or having a category for gaming that is web two and web three because some are blockchain based and some are not. Um, and I think that's the easiest way to distinguish, but then there's also generalists who, who definitely at Salesforce and outside of Salesforce who are just like, no, it's all the future of the internet. And right. if you're working on AI, that's a part of the future of the internet. And if you're working on blockchain, that's part of the future of the internet. So everyone's just working on web three. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a reasonably flex flexible approach then. Um, yeah. And, and in terms of, uh, so you, you talked there about a translation layer. So, and, and I'm probably way off the mark here, but I've, I mean, one of the things that I've seen is obviously, particularly, the, you know, with, with the, some of the Web3 rollouts, um, particularly in loyalty and those sorts of spaces, there's work done, particularly coming out of the marketing teams of big uh, B2C organisations, and they're generating a lot of data on the customer and that data isn't necessarily finding its way to the CRM in a efficient way. So is... Is that what you're talking about when you talk about a translation layer or is there, are there some other things? Um, so it's funny. Yeah. When I say translation layer, I was talking about the function actually of the studio itself. Oh, okay. And the studio itself is uh, actually a group of people. So the, the studio is like a small group of people that serve as an extension of our product and engineering team. And they serve as a translation layer between what the product and engineering team is working on and what our customers hear that we're working on and what our company understands that we're developing. Um, and then we also translate feedback back, which is, um, you know, hey, we presented our concept for our product to our customers. Let's snag that feedback. Let's incorporate that. And then also just like generally think about how we better the platform um in this process through this feedback exploration uh, phase um the product itself is kind of a translator um too um in the sense that it um it makes 
what you're doing in web two more like easily translated or um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, augmenting what you're doing in web two with web three activity, easily interacting with like a familiar web two interface, which is Salesforce. Um, and that can enable your web three activity. Um, the brands that are deploying loyalty schemes, um, they just think it's easy to potentially have, um, all of this like program and project management conducted in Salesforce because it's where you store all of your contact information. You can run a CDP that references Salesforce very easily, uh, build your segments that include references to Web3 data. Uh, So now I can say um, Salesforce and with, uh, since we were talking about AI, you could potentially just interact with a text interface that interacts with Salesforce um in a more uh dexterous way uh but allows you to essentially say salesforce build a segment that uh consists of uh consumers who own this uh physical product and this digital product and uh, add them to this ongoing campaign which is uh sees touch in these six channels right like, there you go. They're deployed directly to that segment. Okay, okay. Because I was, I was just on the on the Salesforce website. You know, it says, uh, you know, build customer loyalty in Web three on a trusted platform. So you are solving that problem, which is, if you're a you know a a significant sized organization with Web three uh, properties, then Salesforce you can basically ingest the data and have it actually surfaced within Salesforce along with all the Web2 data as well. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So uh, all of our sites are enabled with a button now that says connect wallet and it's the customer's choice or the brand's choice whether or not to put that button on your site, right? Um, But it's available. Um, So the connection between a wallet and a website is what it starts the process or triggers the process of building a profile around that consumer's wallet. Okay. And now you associate records in Salesforce because it's kind of a relational database in some sense. Uh, and you relate the wallet record to a contact record right. and you start developing that contacts profile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, so other folks I've spoken to on the podcast have talked about the wallet. And right at the moment, the you know, wallets aren't particularly visible. And so, you know, I know there was sort of the, the meta had suggested they were going to uh, connect people's wallets to Facebook and Instagram and so forth. So they'd, so they'd be easier to surface what's in there. It's not, I don't think it's going ahead necessarily, or at least not at the pace people were expecting. But what, what do you see as the future of the wallet? Will that become sort of more public facing and, and sort of as curated as your Instagram feed and so forth? Um, I, you know, it's really tough uh, to say. I, uh, I think at some point 
uh, one, we have to have consolidation uh, in the wallet space. There's too many wallets. Yeah. Um, there has to be like an aggregator that wins um, that enables this. Like Wallet Connect is a, a hack to having an aggregator because uh, it enables brands to say, here's one little bit of code that we put on our site that allows a consumer to connect these 50 wallets or whatever. Right. Uh, to our site, right? So it's kind of like a dev hack. Okay. Um, but at some point, there's got to be a wallet that wins, and that wallet has to be secure enough uh, and dynamic enough to likely hold like more than just uh, value in yep. uh, a currency sense uh, or a, even a utility sense. Um, yep but it has to be able to like interact with uh, ZK uh, proofs to verify certain data uh, without exchanging or transferring that data or sending a copy of it anywhere um, and have like identity and data wallet uh, capabilities baked into the same wallet where transfers of value are kind of initiated or conducted. Yep. Yep. And, and maybe just in terms of with the organizations so that you're working with and so forth, so they're more mainstream organizations, I imagine, you know, it's an enterprise software solution, largely Salesforce. And just when we talk about the Web3 platforms, are there any um, sort of specific opportunities that you see that, you know, bigger mainstream organizations are working on and having some success with? in Web3, because obviously Web3 has had a little bit of a, you know, taken a bit of a backseat, particularly to AI and the LLMs recently and so forth. But, uh, you know, is where are people getting value out of Web3, do you think? I think like, you know, hype cycle, um, you got value in the form of revenue and earned media uh, previously, you know, as you etched up. Yeah. Uh, then you hit a, thre a threshold where it was just ridiculous and everyone knew it was ridiculous. And right. um, we came down, we're down. Um, and now people are looking at uh, other KPIs uh, and measures of success like engagement okay. um, and uh, trying to assess the impact on true genuine loyalty data and KPIs. Um, when Web3 elements are introduced to a customer journey. Yep. And I think the real research is being done now uh, on some of this in uh, kind of scaled brand environments uh, like uh, Adidas and Starbucks uh, and Nike with Dot Swoosh. Yep. Um, but like now I think we'll better understand the impact of all of this. Um, and if there's more for brand and consumer engagement, um, that's genuine connection, not just a financially motivated connection. Um, and I think the, the successful brands will see, and those that I deal with that I kind of think of as the most like forward thinking are those that are thinking about uh, what I was talking about with, Wallets need to consolidate. There needs to be kind of like identity based uh, or based elements of uh, capabilities 
uh, for these wallets. Um, and I think ultimately brands that are successful in this space will use it to solve a problem, which I think might be uh, created in the vacuum of the third-party cookie. Uh, yep. So that is gone. Maybe now this becomes one of these kind of staple means of engaging with a consumer directly because it blockchain value is disintermediation or one of the values yep. um, or opportunities that it presents for certain brands that have had to go through platforms um, and now they don't. And so I think that's the long play. It's a data acquisition, customer acquisition, um, problem solving tool. And then also AI, I think might ironically be uh, a booster or accelerator for Web3, not like in the long term, yeah. not uh, near term, sure. It's um, attention uh, um, kind of like grabber away from Web3 in some sense. Uh, and in the long term, I think AI creates so many uh, kind of forms or variations of identity and enables those uh, forms of identity or parties uh, to ultimately uh, act in ways that create blockchain transactions. And it's going to be hard to differentiate or distinguish uh, AI uh, acting on a blockchain versus um, humans. Um, and it might be a Web3 identity solution that kind of resolves some of these challenges that it creates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the um, maybe just to finish off then, you know, do you have any uh, advice for mainstream organisations, say Web2 organisations that are sort of maybe thinking about Web3 and how to get involved in it? You know, is it, would you say, you know, loyalty tokens or, you know, advertising in, um, you know, in Fortnite or, you know, what what thoughts do you have around where is, where is the pathway there to try to prove out the opportunity of Web3? I, I think um, what I would want to know is um, most, most brands go into these exercises of thinking about campaigns and programs and they haven't even really like done a self-assessment or an audit of what of value do we really have to offer? Yep. Um, yep. It's crazy that yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to tell yeah, someone yeah. to think that way, but um, that's one. Yeah. Uh, two is, is um, you know, how comfortable are we uh, from a legal perspective um, uh, kind of, asserting that this thing is going to be rep represented and distributed on blockchain uh, and it has some perceivable value. And so how do we feel about that? Yeah. Uh, and how, how can we approach that? And I'm sure you've had a lot of conversations about that. Oh yes. Yeah. And how, how that fits into the regulatory regime and all sorts of issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's um, how can we make it easy to engage with this? Uh, and I think that's what like the reddits have done well. Um, and 
maybe yeah, the Starbucks and uh, Nike more as they integrate with Nike Virtual Studios, Artifact does, and yeah. things become more official and kind of Web 2 uh, on the surface. Um, yeah, I, I would say don't rebuild your entire tech stack or think that you have to do that. Yeah. Uh, think about what you have to offer uh, and how legally it would, it would uh, um, fall when you wanted to distribute the value that way um, and have good uh, mentors and uh, advisors around you yeah. uh, because it's, it's not over once you distribute them. Also, there's a lot of work to be, had uh, after the fact and that's where we feel like at salesforce we can offer unique value ongoing engagement so fantastic well no and it certainly sounds like i couldn't agree more with that um you know surrounding yourself with people who've done it before and experts and so forth because it is you know it's not something that you can read into overnight there's a lot of complexity to this uh this world so um i think that's excellent advice so it looks like it's a Lovely day there in New York by the looks of things. So um, yes. Yeah, I'm excited. I might do some work from the patio. <laughs> that does look nice. A patio in New York. Now you're just showing off. Well, um, <laughs> Max, thank you very much for making the time. It's very exciting to hear what Salesforce is up to. We uh, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, also, uh, people, please do reach out to Salesforce if you're uh, if you're endeavouring on in the Web three space. So. Thanks for that, Max. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Web3 from Mystery to Mainstream. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organization needs a Web3 strategy.